0: the value of going through hard things Mm -hmm. and being able to be in the shit yeah you know sitting it to smell it yeah maybe even playing it like it's (laughs) (laughs) you gotta enjoy the process i mean right
1: starting your business that was the shit right right like how am i gonna make a living doing this you know Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, I know you all are so excited that it's the beginning of the year because that means taxes. And so, In the spirit of tax season, I got my man, Zach Johnson. He's the chief of numbers at Discovery Bookkeeping. He's a creator of Simple Accounting for Solar Pros. Zach, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, man. Happy to be here.
1: Awesome. So I was looking through your profiles a little bit, kind of doing some internet stalking on you. You know what I mean? Doing my research for the show. (laughs) And I noticed that you actually started out in sales. I mean, there was a fancy word for it. It was called business development. But uh, (laughs) what, you know, you went from college kind of into sales. What got you into sales in the first place?
0: Yeah, so I, uh, it actually kind of started while I was still in school a little bit. I sold Uh for Vivint back in 2016 before they were uh, purchased by Sunrun. Mm -hmm. Um, Just for a little while, um, I was finishing my degree online and was looking to, um, I had some sales experience, so I just wanted to get into a sales role that had a little bit more of a an offering as far as a compensation was concerned and
1: mm-hmm. had a
0: couple of friends that were in it and talked to me about it, talked me into it and, uh, was doing that for about a year. I'd say, um, I did okay. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was, it's a different environment. I went, you know, from kind of a, a, lighter kind of a sales environment, um, to, to solar. And you know, the pay is structured differently. The competition's a little bit different. And so, um, when I got into the solar game, uh, there was a moment where I was like, I'm not sure if I'm mentally prepared for this or if I've got yeah. what it takes. Um, but it was a fantastic experience. I made some great friends that I still mm-hmm. am friends with to this day. A um, couple that I actually work with and help them out on the uh, accounting and bookkeeping side. So, mm-hmm. um, so started in sales and did a couple other things in between then and what I'm doing now, but I'm familiar with the industry enough to be able to stay with it and, uh, Yeah, be of service.
1: Awesome. So how did you make that transition from, you know, you were doing business development to eventually opening up your own bookkeeping
0: shop? I was, uh, I kind of had that itch still. It was a similar itch to when I, when I got into solar originally, it was like the opportunity was there Mm -hmm. um, from an income standpoint, also from a growth standpoint. Um, But I just kind of had this like desire to like do something along with what I was doing at the time for a normal day job. I was like, I got to, I want to make something, I want to do something, I want to create something that's going to help a lot of people that mm-hmm. I'm already somewhat proficient at, because I don't want to really start over. Um, and so I had this uh, kind of like, perfect timing, of course, kind of came up said, Hey, here's how you can start your own accounting or bookkeeping business. And it's like, Okay, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. I practically lived out of Excel. <laughs> up until this time, I mean, all my personal finances and budgeting is done through excel and i just i've got sheets galore and my wife when i told her about the opportunity she's like yeah it seems like it'd be a good fit for you and so i went ahead and i pursued that i took the course kind of uh, sharpened some of the accounting and finance skills i had gained in college i, I got my business degree and so there were some finance and accounting courses i took with that mm. and so this just again, kind of allowed me to sharpen my axe, so to speak, and then also acquire some business acumen as well, because I was jumping into the business owner game and there was a whole lot that I didn't know about. Mm -hmm. Um, And then pretty much that was about four years ago. And Uh then from then, I just kind of did it as a as a side hustle, so to speak, would help out a handful of clients here and there. Um, Eventually switched into working with construction and trades because my business development experience and business experience it involved some sales, but it also involved a lot of construction and trade work as well. Right. And so I was comfortable with the model. I understood how they operated and figured that I could offer my services to them and, and be able to to do well there. Until this last year, I, did, I had a conversation with one of my current clients who's a, a solo rep out mm-hmm. here in Phoenix. And he was like, bro, I need help. I, like he was almost, I would say desperate because that sounds kind of bad, but he was like, yeah. man, I know I'm a mess. I don't want to do it, but I think you could do this for me. Like, do you think you could do it? And I'm like, yeah, totally. So I, I brought him on, got him squared away. Um, and at the end of it, he's like, man, uh, I know tons of people in the industry in general that could mm-hmm. use something like this that would be super helpful. That was like, you should jump into the solar game. You should jump back, so to speak, yeah. you know, not as a salesman, but kind of a, um, from the accounting, bookkeeping or even like a consultant side. Mm -hmm. and i played with the idea for a couple of months and then about may of last year i said all right let's do it so i still got my my clients my former clients that i had in in construction and trades Uh, but now um, for the past seven months now going on eight months it's been back into solar and i love Mm -hmm. it yeah absolutely since you have that history there
1: too you know you can relate to your clients and what they're going through out in the field and then you know It's like these blitzes and everything that they're doing, they don't really have a lot of mental energy or space to think about, hey, how am I structured in terms of my entity? And how should I be maximizing the tax code? You know what I mean? They're just like, what's my bill at the end of the year? (laughs) Because maybe, (laughs) you know, and maybe they're in a position to be able to just kind of like pay that and not have to worry about it. But at the same time, it's like, I, I know how a lot of these guys operate. And typically they spend to the level of their income. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when they get that tax bill at the end of the year, they're just like, what did I do? <laughs> <You know laughs> yeah. what I mean? And How do I pay this? I got to sell like five houses, six houses to pay this, right? So right, what, is, exactly. what is that mis- common mistake you see, kind of the the solo six-figure rep making when it comes to their financials and their
0: taxes? I honestly think it's just a mindset shift. I think a lot of these guys, when they come into the industry, they come in with, Previous work experience, but that work experience normally, I'd say, commonly, is mm-hmm. from a W-2 job to where they're getting paid hourly or or salary, and mm-hmm. so they're getting their check every two weeks. Taxes are automatically being withheld from that, right. and when they go to file taxes, they're used to just you know either depending on their situation, single, married, kids, no kids, own a home, rent a home, and a bunch of other things, mm-hmm. uh, they more than likely probably got a tax refund at the end of the year, and so twofold they're no longer getting paid uh, W2. So taxes aren't being withheld. Mm -hmm. And so it looks like they're able to make a lot more money, they have a lot more money, um, which is the case, but there's no automated tax withholding that's being done on that. Mm -hmm. And then come the end of the year, they're like, Oh, well, this is a whole new experience for me. I've never done this before. You know and so it's it really is just an unfamiliarity with how to operate and how to manage because typically your job wages you was it was personal money
1: Mm -hmm.
0: well when you're selling solar or really anything as an independent contractor the money you make is really the business's money and you have to determine how much you're going to pay yourself from that to live on and and do what you will with that personally Mm -hmm. and that's the case even as 1099 you know
1: they're operating on their social security number they still Mm -hmm. need to treat that income like the business money. And then what happens after that? Once you have that top line item, what
0: comes out and how is it taxed? So you've got your, uh, self-employment tax, and this is a 15% tax on your, uh, net income. So, and this is a tax that's split between you and your employer. Um, Mm -hmm. It shared 50-50 between you two when you had your your W-2 job. So since you no longer have an employer and you in and of yourself are the employer and sole employee, you're responsible for the whole 15%. Right. Um, which you know, depending on how much you bring in at the end of the year um, can be quite a hefty fee. Then on top of that, depending on what your income is after deductible expenses, you then now have your income tax bracket. And that mm-hmm. also can vary depending on how much you made in the year. Um, For high earners, sales reps that are making, you know, three, four hundred thousand dollars, they can have a pretty hefty tax bill, especially if they're not tracking expenses, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's another thing is is with this whole mindset shift from going from W-2 to now 1089 Mm -hmm. business owner. It's like now you have to have a level of accounting so that way you can track how much you're spending on the business so you can reduce your taxable income. A lot of guys at the end of the year, it's like, oh, I didn't do that. Yeah. I know I spend money on my business, but I have no idea how much. And so right. it now becomes an estimating game when you file taxes and estimating and filing taxes is, is never a good thing. You know, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to underreport your income because you don't want to pay too much in taxes, but you also don't want to claim too much deductions. So you're going to report less deductions and then hoping this magic combo will result in you paying the least amount in taxes when in reality, if you just had a system set up or were told how to get a system set up, Mm -hmm. you'd be able to ensure that you're maximizing your tax or minimizing your tax liability, maximizing your deductions and not having to play a guessing game.
1: What are some good tools that you recommend to reps? I mean, they're in the field. They're not sitting there in front of a laptop. They're not gonna log into QuickBooks and enter their expenses, right? So what, is, mm-hmm. what are some good tools that you see uh, these uh, high-income reps using
0: out in the field? Sure. Well, there's there's a lot of tools out there. Um, you've got FreshBooks. There's QuickBooks. There's an app called Hurdler, which is newer to me. I had actually spoken with a, a rep maybe a month or so ago mm-hmm. um, and was looking into that as an option. It seems like a pretty viable and um, simple option for a solar sales rep or independent sales rep. Mm -hmm. Um, but basically you just have to have something. And a lot of these programs do a lot of that legwork for you. It's just a matter of knowing what to do to get it set up because the common conception is like, okay, well, I've got my business bank accounts or I've got bank accounts that sort of track this for me. You know, Mm -hmm. why do I need an accounting software? If I have an accounting software. I'm just going to have to do double the work to, you know, make everything right, which really isn't the case. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of these will sync with your bank account and automatically pull your business activity in mm-hmm. and then automatically categorize those to where they need to go, depending on the settings that you make. So I think it's, it's not so much, you know, what tools are out there cause they're out there and there are plenty. It's more so, okay, how do I do this? So that way it doesn't create more work for me. And I'm able to use this as a tool versus like, as like a burden, because again, yeah being out in the field, whether they're in their local market or on a blitz, it's like that's go time, you know? Mm-hmm. They don't want to be sitting down at a computer having to key in transactions because, you know, that's just that's not what they do. You know, it's right. it's, it's not yeah. it's not what their bread and butter is. They're there to sell. They're there to, you know, to help people and to and to, you know, raise their um, income and their and their lifestyle. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a you can do it. And it can be done for you if you know how to set it up
1: so like the first thing i always recommend to my reps is if they have the credit to get a business credit card you know something small like thousand dollar limit two thousand dollar limit and literally everything that you charge for your business you run through that credit card if it's not mm-hmm. for your business you don't run it through that credit card and this is like one of those disciplined things right <laughs> because mm-hmm. it always mm-hmm. happens they're like i maxed up my credit card in the first week and i'm like that's not what that was for. <laughs> and then I, so then, then we try this, you know, it's like, okay, two bank accounts. All right. You've got mm-hmm. two bank accounts. You got one for business, one for personal, keeps everything mm-hmm. separate. So in your head, you you have to justify spending that on your business versus being at the end of the year. And you haven't, you haven't separated those things. You know what I'm saying? So to you, every dollar of gas is on your business, every mile in your car. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You start doing that stuff and that's not good in an audit situation. Right. <laughs> and so, um, but then, you know, the next level is typically when they get into leadership, I'm like, all right, now it's time for an LLC.
0: Yeah.
1: Now it's time for you to start using the tax code to your benefit and, <laughs> uh, making sure that, you know, you're getting educated on that. Right. Yeah. And so when it comes to in- entity structure, what do you recommend? And let's just, let's start with, uh, you know, high income sales rep. What kind of uh, entity do you recommend that they open up?
0: So high income, we're gonna say high incomes, you know, 300 plus,
1: Mm -hmm. you know,
0: for solar that, I think that's a pretty even low number for a high earner. But um, when you're at that kind of a level, you obviously wanna have, you have to have, in order for you to be able to take advantage of the tax advantages of structuring yourself as as a company or a corporation, you have to start out setting yourself up as an LLC. Mm -hmm. So from a legal stamp uh, standpoint, you're able to establish yourself as a bona fide business. From a tax standpoint, as a single member LLC, you're going to be taxed the same as if you didn't have that LLC. You're a sole proprietor either way. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's a necessary step to be able to take the next step, Mm -hmm. which is now once you're at that level where you're making high, you know, $300,000, $400,000 a year, Mm
1: -hmm. pretty
0: comfortably, then you can look at filing yourself as an S corp from the, from the tax side. So again, you're still an LLC, but instead of being taxed as a sole proprietorship, you're now being taxed as an S corp. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of requirements and ramifications that you have to maintain for you to be able to keep that status and then be able to take advantage of the, um, the uh, tax breaks and benefits of that. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And that's
0: where you want to start. Now people I've had people ask like, well, what about a C corporation, like, well, you know, C corporations, like we're talking your million dollar earner or multi-million dollar company there's mm-hmm. a lot of other things that go with that but we don't want to get so wrapped up in like oh, that's where I want to get to it's like well right that's a good idea but again we want to start out with the basics because if you don't have something foundational set up mm-hmm. you know this whole lofty long term like this is where I want to get to is like it's it's going to be a great thought and a great idea mm-hmm. but it's going to be a lot more painful and a lot more work for you if you try to retroactively go back and do this after you've already yeah. made a ton of money.
1: Yeah, that's what I did. That was fun. Uh, now, now my entity structure needs a, uh, uh, a flow chart. Yeah, And up making a flow chart for my entity structure just to send it to my um, CPA to make sure that we were on the same page. I was just like, this is getting too crazy. I've got a." Mm-hmm organize this in my head which means organize it on paper you know <laughs> yeah. and that's all kinds of fun okay so yeah. now they're they're at the llc level or they're at the s corp level and from what i understand about an s corp is you have to pay yourself a salary correct mm-hmm. in order for it to Huge. be that's like one of the main
0: qualifiers to be an S corp. really yeah that's that's it like if you want to start taking advantage of it and start rolling with it like that's the Like number one thing that you have to get set up, you have to get yourself on payroll. Now people think, well, I'll just transfer, you know, $4,000 a month out of the business to my personal. Mm -hmm. No, (laughs) that's what you can do or what you could do before you filed as an S Corp. Now you actually have to get on a payroll software of sorts, a a company that's going to automate it for you One, So again, it's not having to involve so much of your time to be able to manage and run that. Mm -hmm. but two it's taking out those withholding taxes and and other taxes for you automatically so now you're kind of back at where you were before solar before being an independent sales rep now collecting a check but this time it's your business and you're cutting yourself a check so it's kind of neat in that regard but you have to absolutely have to put yourself on payroll to be able to maintain that status and those tax advantages with it Well, and I like that structure because it forces you to save for your taxes, you know, Mm -hmm. it's one thing
1: if you're a seasoned business owner, and you're, you know, you have your tax allocation, but that's going into a six month investment, you're Mm -hmm. making money on it. And you know, at the end of that six months, you get it back. So you're actually, you know, but even then I'm like, no, I just want the money to go away. So I don't have the responsibility of not having it when tax time comes right. Yeah. So I know that's a flaw of mine, but right now it works for me.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) But
1: but anyways, uh, so when we're talking about the the graduation of it here, um, Mm -hmm. you got the S corp, you're paying yourself and let's just say you, you start your own sales work Mm -hmm. or you have a big enough team to where, okay, I'm earning a million dollars a year in overrides and commissions. And now mm-hmm. I want to make real estate investments. You know what I mean? I want to invest in crypto, which is mm-hmm. a whole nother rabbit hole. We won't go down because that'll take the whole. Yeah. but, um, I, w- I want to start making investments. I want to start putting something aside, you know, to grow, mm-hmm. right. What, what are some entity,
0: uh, I guess setups that they can look at in doing that. It's a great question. Um, from, a uh a setup standpoint, and basically the structure is is for any other business or any other kind of um, revenue stream that you want to start doing, you know, real estate is a pretty common one, especially for high income reps getting into Mm -hmm. the rental long term rental, or even just the short term rental game. Mm -hmm. Um, My suggestion is to get a separate entity for that. And so that now becomes a second company. Mm -hmm. And you're able to manage that um, as its own business um, you'll want to start, I guess, depending on what you're able to do to get that off the ground. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't worry about trying to do any of that high-level incorporation or anything like mm-hmm. that. But again, just kind of work through the process. You kind of want to take a look at, okay, well, I want to get into this game. How am I going to start? And then what do I want to grow it to?
1: Mm-hmm. And if you're
0: able to figure that out and sort of plan it out, not super intense, but again, just kind of get a vision, so to speak, um, of what you're wanting to accomplish with that and how you want it to look. You'll then be able to know what you need to set yourself up as. I mean, baseline, depending on what it is you're trying to get into, a uh, legal structure forming an LLC is always the best bet. Yeah. Um, if you're getting into something related to solar, so you know, I had a uh, consult with somebody the other day. I think it was an individual rep who was looking at some point down the road in his vision. He was hoping to offer uh, panel cleaning as part of oh, yeah. business. You know. Yeah. So like a very associatable, relatable pair service you could put on with your solar cells so Mm -hmm. um, in that case I mean you could run it through the same LLC because I mean you're still in solar but if you also wanted to treat it as a separate entity you could just create a DBA Mm -hmm. for that solar cleaning business and be able to keep everything under one head but just be able to manage things on a separate level so it really just depends on what it is you're wanting to get into Mm -hmm. and what kind of uh, what that vision or what that those goals look like for it. Okay. So your next
1: evolution is you're a solar business owner. Now, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You've got payroll, you've got uh, benefits, you've got uh, people that you're paying on the fulfillment side. Maybe you're paying out, you know, 40 to 50% of your income in uh, 1099 commissions to your guys. You've got real estate, you know, Mm -hmm. you've got uh, your personal uh, IRAs and stuff like that. You know, you're, you're, yeah. you're, doing all the things and you're doing it well, right? Yeah. At what point should you be looking
0: at things like a trust? Ooh, that is a great question. I actually haven't considered that mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in great detail, yeah. but that is, that's the kind of next step because it's sort of like a tax shell, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, when we're talking about taxes, there's three different ways about going it. you can, um, reduce, you can defer or you can eliminate your taxes. Mm -hmm. And so a trust is using one of those ways to be able to either defer or eliminate any additional taxes on the money that you made. Because again, the goal is to keep as much money as possible and only pay what you're legally obligated to pay for taxes. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the, the pain point for people that make a lot of money is that they're like, okay, I'm paying taxes, cool. I wish I didn't have to pay these taxes. I was speaking with a, a solar EPC um, mm-hmm. owner here in the Valley and they've got an accountant that's working with them and their accountant's just like, all right, here's your bill. Yeah. And the owner's like, well, uh, that's great. Um, good to know that we know what we owe, but I would like to not owe that much. So what, <laughs> can, we <do? laughs> what can we do? It's a very
1: simple concept.
0: Right, you know, like uh-huh. we wanna we want to be able to reduce this. so. Mm-hmm. what can we do to kind of strategize or, or be a little bit more wise like can we you know open up a trust you know can we open mm-hmm. up like a not not for profit that's another one too yeah. um there's a big sports complex here out in the valley called Legacy Sports absolutely massive tons mm-hmm. of fun um the biggest sports complex on this side of the uh, the Mississippi but um they've got their their sports business that kind of hosts and houses all that they also have a, a 501 5013c nonprofit called legacy cares. Mm -hmm. And so there's a reason why big companies like that set up not for profits. it's not because they're trying to avoid taxes, because obviously, the not for profits have to have a legitimate purpose, right? And they're gonna do a bunch of good. But it's just another way of saying, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to have to pay as much as I have to in taxes. So if I can give this to a good cause, that Mm -hmm. helps with that, that could help with that.
1: A 100% it's taking control back. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Am I gonna give this 100 grand? the government and expect them to be good stewards of it or am i going to consult with uh, some different experts in a certain mission or a certain impact and know that they're good stewards of it and then have the oversight to be able to make sure of that and then have a lot more impact with that hundred grand and then there is an roi in terms of your brand you know oh yeah um that's you know a big reason why i partner i partner with champion shoes uh, with solar you know what I mean? Putting brand new shoes on kids that were in needs feet, right? Yeah. And so uh, that's associated with that solar brand now. And, you know, we can use it in our presentations, like, hey, every time we sell a system, you know, we do this or whatever. And plus, there's obviously tax savings there that we don't have to spend on the company in or uh, personally. And that would normally just pass through to me and I would be doing the same kinds of things anyways. Right. Right. And So, you know, like in in my case, long term, I want to, uh, I want to purchase, you know, right now it's 340 acres and the list price is 1.9 million and I, I want to set it up, you know, I, I recognize the government can come in and take land at any point, you know what I mean? Like my legacy is not going to be the land itself, right? It's going to yeah. be that concept though of having control of your homestead, you know, yeah. n- renewable energy, uh, mm-hmm. sustainable uh, home, all that good stuff. And, uh, I'm going to build that out, but I, you know, I was thinking about it and there's a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me and make a lot more money than me that have things like that in a trust. And there Mm -hmm. is a executor to the trust and they don't technically own any of it,
0: you Mm -hmm. know?
1: And so, um, because of that, you know, they don't necessarily, I don't know if it's that they don't pay taxes or they pay a lot less in taxes or the, entity itself doesn't profit, you know, cause like land, you know, unless you are running some type of farm that has a profit there, you know, there is no profit from it. So right. And then it also creates like situations in which, Hey, my son can't sell it. You know what I mean? It has to stay in the family or to that degree, you know? And so that's kind of the things I'm looking at now and researching now and excited about, uh, uh, doing in the future. Do you have any clients that are kind of looking at that legacy type
0: entity structure or setup? Well, at the same level, I'm unsure. Mm-hmm. But I think that in a general sense, anybody in the industry would like something like that. Personally, mm-hmm. you were tugging at my heartstrings as you were talking about owning acreages and and having mm-hmm. land and, and self-sustainability. I was like, man, Doug's, Doug's doing what I want to do. We have a we've been, we're out here in Arizona. We've been eyeballing Texas for gosh, mm-hmm. probably about a year Yeah, you know, more seriously. So considering it because it just kind of aligns with what we want to accomplish. So, mm-hmm. um, but to your question, like the, the principle behind it is that behind these tax strategies that allow people to save tons, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions, depending on the situation on taxes is because they have a legitimate strategy in place. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think we hear, I mean, I hear it still, and, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that hear it, too. Haphazardly, these mega earners are just throwing out stuff like, oh, I bought a jet, put it on the business, and saved a ton on taxes. Right. And it's like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I can buy a jet on my business at some point. Or like, yeah. instead of bringing it out, like, oh, I could just I could buy a truck for my business, and I can just save on taxes, you know? Right. Like, it's there's some legitimacy behind it, but it's only just like a very small part of their strategy. Yeah, You know, like there's people that, um, you know, speaking of trusts, like Mm -hmm. they'll take family vacations, Mm -hmm. um, to Hawaii or something like that, the whole family, Mm -hmm. you know, big ordeal. And they're able to essentially put that down as a deduction Mm -hmm. under the trust because they're conducting business related to the trust, the family trust. And so again, there's, there's a lot more to it than that. I'm, I'm being very, you know, eagle view with this or or high level view, but Again, the, the principle is, is that you can't just take what you hear or even what you Google and say, nice. yep, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do, um, and then think it's gonna be okay. There There is some wisdom behind having, behind having somebody who's familiar with the process or with the specific strategy yeah. and knows, okay, you need to do this, we need an agenda, we need to be able to have some sort of itinerary or mm-hmm. we need to, well, whatever it might be, but be able to present to you, okay, here's the plan. We wanna help yeah. you take advantage of this here's what it's going to take. Prepare this, have this, we'll keep it on file, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And then now you're protecting the deduction that you're trying to claim. Because if you don't have anything to protect that deduction, if you get audited, it's like no documentation, no dice. We're we're part of an organization that we get monthly newsletters on that has some um, tax code. Mm -hmm. Um, cases and stuff like that and the number one reason why the IRS or why the court will favor the IRS uh, against a certain plaintiff depending on the situation for claiming deductions is because they don't have the documentation to support the transactions they're trying to claim it sounds so like oh like so boring (laughs) yeah like (laughs) like like, seriously like we have like the whole like gotta keep your receipts like I hate saying that but there's some truth to that because if you want to protect yourself, not just be able to do it, because honestly, if you wanted to claim whatever you wanted to you, you can use TurboTax free file and write whatever the heck you want in there. And best of luck to you. Um, (laughs) Really, or if you want to just provide your CPA or tax preparer with like, Oh, these are the numbers I have Mm -hmm. your CPA, a good one should do some due diligence and, and make sure things are correct. But really, if that's what you're providing the CPA and they file according to the information you provided, Mm-hmm. It's upon you now, if it were to come back to you, to try and prove and substantiate what you had filed and what you had claimed.
1: 100%. And that's not a fun process. Uh, thank the Lord, I have not been audited <laughs> in know, my 13 year career. With a knock on wood <laughs> on that one. But um, right. some of my younger years, you know what I mean? Like that would have been bad. That would have been yeah. terrible. They would have put me in a business like that, you know? Sure. And so, uh, but anyways, in, 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 in speaking in that stuff, there's, there's, there really is levels to this, right? So you've got mm-hmm. bookkeeping, which is nice, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then having a CPA do your taxes, you don't have to do them yourself. And you know that they're going to be done right to a certain degree, but mm-hmm. then I feel like the next level in really at that $300,000 mark, you should really be doing this. Um, you hire a tax strategist. You know, and that's way different than a CPA. A CPA can be a tax strategist, but a tax strategist doesn't necessarily have to be a CPA, right? Yeah. Um, and that's that person that's going to be able to, it, it, it's like going, you know, once you get to that level, you need a business plan for your taxes. And that's what a tax strategist does. You know, mm-hmm. it says, hey, we're going to purchase this this year. That's going to offset a little bit. You know what I mean? But we're only using that for the business 50% of the time. So that's how this is going to, work, and then we're going to, you know, pay the kids, or we're going to use the house as a um, uh, a meeting center or something like that, mm-hmm. we're gonna, you know what I mean, we're gonna start doing this stuff, but you actually have to do it. You don't mm-hmm. just put it on paper, you got to physically do it. Because my, my whole thing is at some point, when are you not being you, when are you not having integrity, right? Integrity is one of my most important core values. And do you, do you want to be that person that, like, just writes stuff down and hopes the government doesn't audit me? And then also, like, I know I'm lying when I'm writing that down. You know, if my yeah. if I'm not using my kid on social media and they're not doing stuff in the office, they're not contributing to the business and I'm just writing down the max salary I can for them, you know, mm-hmm. at some point I don't have any integrity, you know? Yep. And so, uh, and, and I get it. I'm anti-government 100%. I want a very small government, you know? <laughs> but the rules are still the rules. Right. And that's biblical. You know, that, that, that goes back to the, what the Bible says. It's like, you still have to follow the rules. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Anyways. um, So I think, I think that's an important piece. I think it does come down to some values there, you know, Yeah. but like I said, you got the tax strategist and then you got legacy planning, right. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of what I'm getting into now. And so I think there's levels to this. And I think a lot of guys at the hundred grand level are trying to do legacy planning and do the entity structures and all that. All you're doing is creating more expenses for yourself that you're not going to save on your taxes because you don't have enough income,
0: you know? Right. And so that's kind of my thoughts on it. What are yours? Yeah, I, I agree. It's, you've got to have, even at the lower income level, a level Mm -hmm. of strategy, like, Mm -hmm. okay, um, you may have heard a lot. You may have been told a lot. You may have read a lot. Yeah. um but you need to kind of look at what's most important because yeah mm-hmm. entity structure is great um yeah finally as an s corpus great um yeah reducing your tax liability of course is great um but you've got to take a step back and look at where you're at you know i tell i tell people all the time that we that i reach out to I have consults with and if mm-hmm. i ask them like hey what did you make last year what yeah. are you making this year because I don't want them to, I, don't, I mean, not that I don't want to do business with them, but right. they're just not at that point. Right. Like you've got to be at a certain point for us to be able to work together just because it's going to be more costly for you and more stressful for you than more of a benefit. Yeah. You know, the, the services that we provide are meant to help you. They're meant to free mm-hmm. up your time. They're meant to let, to give you some data, some information behind your business to arm you with information so you can make educated business decisions. Yeah. I've got the resources so that we can, if you're looking at, higher level tax strategy. Well, we've got a tax partner that that's what she does. And she's Mm -hmm. very good at it. And she charges a premium for it too. Right. Like a lot of things too, is that if you want to have a quality accountant, bookkeeper, CPA, Mm -hmm. tax professional, and really quick on the CPA, there are people that don't have the designation of CPA. They're called EAs. I think this Mm -hmm. is not well known at all, like in the business world. Um, These are people that pursued a different path, but basically have the same Uh, ability to represent a taxpayer before the IRS, like a CPA does. Yeah. I didn't Um, know that. Yeah. And these people are sharp and I'm not Mm -hmm. to dog on the CPAs, you know, CPAs in general, or to say that they're all bad. They're not all bad. Everybody has bad apples in some way, shape or form. Right. Um, But there's a funny saying we have when we talk about CPAs in my industry is that CPA is just an acronym for copy paste attach. (laughs) 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 I might get some hate mail for, for this, but uh, yeah, um, and it's all jokes aside, it's just because you're gonna pay, you're gonna get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. It's such a cliche saying, and, and everybody throws it around haphazardly, but especially yeah. when it comes to good accounting and bookkeeping, mm-hmm. like you can find somebody who can do this for you on a monthly basis for 50 bucks a month, right? But I'm I can assure you that you're gonna get 50 monthly level of work, yeah, and all the way through the process up to a tax strategist. Like I said, the partner that we work with, she charges and can charge upwards of 25 to $30,000 for a tax strategy. Mm -hmm. That's because she's able to save clients a huge chunk of change. But again, these clients are at that level, right? Making that kind of money, seven,
1: eight figures where she pays for herself.
0: Exactly. $30,000 for a tax strategy is chump change yeah. because she can save, you know, two, three, four times that in taxes. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if that's kind of where your mind says like oh, I want to minimize taxes like yes we're going to get there but the basic the, the most basic way you can do that is by having some level of financial organization mm-hmm. we find clients just from that level when we bring on new clients and do any sort of cleanup it's about $10,000 in missed deductions just from expenses that were missed yeah. so like just doing that it's like hey 10k not bad yeah you made a you paid a couple thousand to work with us but yeah if you've already made and we found an additional seven K that was just missed, mm-hmm. and so really, yeah, from a step-by-step or incremental process, like there is something that can be had, and there's benefits to be had at each level, and so you just want to make sure you're starting off at the right levels and not, you know, putting the cart before the horse, as uh, as they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and educating yourself along the way so nobody
1: can take advantage of your lack of knowledge. You know what I mean? Right. How- I've gone into so many business transactions where I'm like, well, I don't know about (laughs) that stuff. You know about that stuff. Let me write you this check and you figure it out and then Mm. deliver me the, the final product." And it turns out that I needed to at least have like a 10% knowledge of it so that I could work with them
0: on that final product, you know? And sometimes that's how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Just be through the process. Excuse Mm -hmm. me. Like, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to do the legwork. You don't want to have to monitor or manage it. But right. again, you have a little bit of responsibility to be a part of that process, maybe throughout t- checking in, touching base, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then you're going to get what you expected or what you were thinking you got out of it because you were, you were still a part of that Engaged. process from the beginning. Yeah. 100%. So
1: Zach, what's next for you guys in your, your business right now? What are you guys so, excited about?
0: What's that? I'm sorry. What are you guys excited about? I'm excited about a lot of things. I'm gonna try and keep it succinct. Um, so this year we plan on doing a lot of good things. Again, we're 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 in the solar industry, so all the clients mm-hmm. that we look to to help and and help grow and we'll grow our practice with are going to be solar companies, in one way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at about twenty five additional clients, solar clients, between now and the beginning or the middle of this year. Mm-hmm. And what I'm doing, and I'm just, I don't want to go into too much detail with this because um, it may be a little off topic, but I think somebody might find it useful is that um, trying to plan my years with the calendar year mm-hmm. proves challenging. Um, and for a handful of reasons, but the one reason is, is because it's hard for me to like really prep and plan for the next year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All the while it's holiday season, I've got family in town, there's get togethers, there's celebrations, there's all this stuff. yeah. And then I've got the beginning of the year, the following year, um, to try and coming out of all that to try and have the drive and the energy and and determination to implement what I had planned Mm -hmm. um, the year before. Yeah. And so to kind of shift that this is an experiment, I'm trying first thing this year, I'm really excited about it, because in my mind, I'm like, this is gonna be awesome. Um, (laughs) But my year you know for me personally for my business and even i'm gonna kind of rope my family into that my wife and i are gonna spend some time and see if this is something we can apply to our family but mm-hmm. our year is going to start july 1st and our year end is june 30th and okay. so now our year end from a planning standpoint is gonna we're gonna be able to you know have some sort of a plan we've i've got a a conference i go to every year for mm-hmm. uh, professional bookkeepers okay. and that's, you know, so I learn a lot from those. But again, that's mid year, mm-hmm. traditionally. And so like, I've got all these things, I want to implement I want to do it now. And it's like, okay, like, I can do some, but some of the other ones I'm gonna have to do a lot of work with before I can start rolling out. So the thought is, is I can with the timing of it all, I can have that workshop, I can have those ideas fresh in my mind. Right. I'm not gonna have the distractions of the year end and holiday season and stuff like that. And tax and- season. Yeah. Taxi. Exactly. Thank you. Ta- I didn't want to talk. I don't want to talk about that right now because <laughs> my days have already been astronomically long. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but anyway, so with that thought, it's, we're avoiding the mess of the traditional year end and beginning of the year and able to start working on and implementing things without having to worry about the other pressures, you know, mm-hmm. we'll be present in the holiday season with family. We'll be able to really enjoy our time together and not have to worry about what's going to happen at year end. So, to you know, mm-hmm. so to speak. And at the beginning of the year, like I can be present during tax season, I can be present for my clients and help them take care of all the year end stuff without having to try and push through all the things that I want to do as well. Mm-hmm. So anyways, kind of an off topic thing, but that's something I'm really no, looking it, forward to. Doing.
1: It's the first time I've heard of that concept, like planning your year from summer to summer. And like yeah. if you're in the in even around the teaching industry, since my wife was a teacher, like it's even better because she's off. You know what I mean? And then oh, yeah. now she now she's in tutoring, and they don't tutor as much during the summer as they do during the, the the traditional school year. Yeah, and so that's kind of a cool concept. I like that because you're not in that mindset. You know, come the last two weeks of of december you know probably the first two weeks of december is when you should be planning your next year because of all the traveling holidays but even then you just got off thanksgiving you know right and so you're just kind of throwing out numbers and i think when you're you're during the summer that's a little different you know now for a solar sales company that's they're probably not even like looking anywhere except
0: (laughs) you know what i mean so that's a little different that's but, wasting
1: time, man. That's also when they're not answering your calls because they're on blitzes and they're going crazy and all that stuff. So it makes a right. lot of sense. No, I think it's a good strategy. Hundred yeah. percent. So one of the questions I always ask my guests it has to do with legacy. Yeah, right. And I talked about that a little bit. Um, and so my my question to you is, uh, what does legacy mean to you, and what legacy do you want
0: to leave behind? Gosh, man, that's a freaking awesome question. Um. I don't get to share my legacy too much Mm -hmm. not because i don't have people i could share it to but i i I tend to keep that stuff pretty close to the chest Mm -hmm. um but man like you know it's it's the price of entry man yeah right (laughs) (laughs) but um no i mean there's a lot of things that i want to do lifetime and there's so many ways i want to give back Um, Mm -hmm. one of the things one of my loves um, is being able to be involved with sports I still am somewhat active, and I still play, uh, namely men's volleyball. That's kind of my bread and butter. Nice. Um,
1: and I, I, I coach volleyball.
0: It's a lot of fun to play, like it's oh. hand volleyball. Yeah. Yeah, I may not look good as good as like Tom Cruise or Miles Teller, but uh-huh. I mean, I'm going to play. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, so I coach a lot, uh, I coached a lot of youth volleyball, club volleyball, both uh, men, uh, girls, and boys, mm-hmm. and uh, I loved it. I I freaking loved it the challenge was is that it just it occupied so much of my time yeah that on like a you know on a monetary level like on a per hour basis I was like mm-hmm. i can't I can't sustain this at least right now and so one of my things for legacy is to get back into youth sports and not just get back into coaching but to establish a a club mm-hmm. that's based on some of the values that are important to me um, very cool because youth sports is a is, is an excellent program in general, like no matter what sport it is, I think having kids in sports, whatever age they want to get into sports, of course, if they want to get into sports, sans the pressures of parents. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an excellent way for them to be exposed, develop social skills, learn how to build some level of mental toughness, uh, work through conflict too. Um, but I do see some ways that it could be improved upon and ways that we can be, we can make it, it can be done better. Um, mm-hmm. And so, that's kind of an overall view. One of the things I want to do from a legacy standpoint, um, but in regards to my family, like my, my, t- I've got two kids. So I've got a four-year-old boy and I've got a boy who's going to be 11 months in two days. And so like those kids are my world, man. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to be like, so like all about my kids when I was in love with them. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah. yeah, It's wild. Like, I, I don't even know what to call it. I mean, I've, I've got my religious beliefs and you uh-huh. know, my faith and whatnot. So that kind of helped prepare a little bit. But I had no idea beforehand up until now. Like, holy cow, like these these guys mean like everything to me. Yeah. And so my legacy kind of with them is, is to not build a life to where they can just kind of inherit all of my hard work and kind of have an easier life than what I right. did. Right. Because I mean, I think in some way, shape, or form, we want to do that to a degree. But I also know from my personal experience the value of going through hard things mm-hmm. and being able to be in the shit. Yeah. You know, sit in it to smell it. Yeah. Maybe even playing it. Like it's. <laughs> you like, got to enjoy the process. I mean, when right. You Starting your business, that was
1: the shit, right? Right. I mean, like, exactly. how am I going to make a living doing this? You know? And then at the end of the day, you were like, it's exciting getting up tomorrow and. Not knowing how much money is coming in, and not knowing what I'm going to build or create, or you know what I mean, like that is that is one of the the I guess addictions in entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah, say. we for yeah. some
0: reason we love to sit in that shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, from a legacy standpoint, I I want to I want to be able to have a create an environment where my boys will appreciate and mm-hmm. want to yearn after that. You know, not necessarily with the same intensity that maybe I have. Right. Um, but in their own way, like, you know, one of my great stewards in life is to be their father. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I would be robbing them of valuable experience if I were just to try and do things for them and to make it to where they didn't have to do what I had to do, right? you know, with some variations, of course. But yeah, leaving my mark on this world through them is is kind of one of the ways I want to do that. Like I've got other things. Like I said, there's I'll go and indulge you one more thing. Um, I haven't shared so much, but, um, I've had this on my mind for, for years and I want to create the world's largest food truck. And what I mean is like, I'm going to take a, you know, 18 wheeler semi truck, I'm going to convert Uh the trailer into a mobile restaurant Mm -hmm. and we're going to spend a certain amount of time each year, year over year, and we're just going to feed people in that's in and of itself like I, I, I love that the details i'm not hammered out but like in my mind i picture this this you know 18 wheeler with a with an rv cab so that way we can sleep in it and whatnot and then that trailer is just a full-blown like kitchen restaurant. yeah nice. we just we just feed people out the side and and just kind of you know, a way for us to kind of get out of the norm and do something totally crazy and that's that's absurd i think about i'm like that is nuts like what we're doing like of course like yeah helping people out feeding people Mm -hmm. and 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 whatnot but like the how-to i'm like yeah that's wild that's nuts so anyways so i think you
1: know i i believe uh i've got some affirmation for you for that right and so the reason is because uh, i normally have my laptop my phone my watch it's all on focus mode when i'm on podcasts. But for whatever reason, focus mode isn't working today. I just checked my laptop, it's not a focus. So I got a text while or like literally two minutes before you talked about the food truck thing. And guess who it was from? It's a gentleman named Patrick Bolanos. Do you know who that is?
0: It doesn't sound familiar now.
1: Patrick Bolanos, his his nickname is the food truck king. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a reason I got and Now I got a text from him on another investment, but still I got that a minute before you talk about wanting to create the world's biggest food truck. So that is the guy that can build it for you. He, he builds like 40 to 50 food trucks a month out of his facility yeah. in Houston. And so, and he builds them all from scratch. You know what I mean? So custom is his thing. A hundred percent. So look him up. Um, Trailer Kings. I think, right? Trailer King Builders. Trailer King Builders on Instagram. Um, look him up, and he's going to build that for you someday, for sure. Unless you're going to build it yourself. I, I don't know how <laughs> handy you are with that stuff, but he's probably the guy you want to partner I'm, with. I'm, I'm handy. Then, yeah. Yeah, I'm handy. No, it's I'm just a, not that handy. If, a, if it's a nonprofit initiative, he's going to be all about it. So that's the guy you want to kind of build a relationship with, and then eventually when you execute on that, that'd be fantastic. And as far as like the sports piece, I mean, what what I love about sports is you manufacture some pain, you know, you create pain, whether it's in the training or the, in the actual games. And so I think the reason that they're so great for our kids is because they prepare them for life, right? Yeah, that pain in life, that disappointment of a loss, the uh, disappointment of giving a hundred percent and somebody having more talent and beating you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because they were giving a hundred percent too. But also seeing the opportunities and the people that aren't giving their full effort, and then you take advantage of that and you win, you know. Mm-hmm. And so there's just so much, so so much education in sports. So I love that that's a, a huge piece of your legacy. Uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. It is definitely the price of admission on this show. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but it's 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 exciting. You know, we all want to carry on our legacy through our children and our values. But when you have some of those like initiatives behind it too your children see you create that and that's how you pass the values to them because they yeah. see it in your passion you know and your passion for the food truck and your passion for coaching volleyball you know what i'm saying and then they see that like hey dad went after what he loved to do you know what i mean like bookkeeping's fun and it pays the bills you know what i mean and you're you're obviously passionate about it you're educated on it but at the same time like when you roll that food truck into town for the first time and feed 200 people, I don't think anything's going to replace that. Or right. when your club volleyball team wins the championship, I don't think anything's going to replace that. That's going to be tough. Maybe you creating the same opportunity you have now for other bookkeepers, CPAs and tax strategists, probably yeah. that same type of feeling, but yeah, no, I, re- I really enjoyed you coming on the show. You shared a ton of knowledge. You know what I'm saying? It's not, sexy, but it's necessary. <laughs> all right. And if you don't want to have the kind of knowledge that Zach's that Zach has, then you need to reach out to him. How do they do that, Zach?
0: Yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Facebook Messenger is is a very, very popular way. I get a lot of people reaching out to me, they shoot me shoot me a DM. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the best way to get a hold of me just at the outstart and then things work out. I'll roll you through our process and and sort of take you in my big gentle loving arms. the land of peace and bliss no i'm just kidding (laughs) financial peace and bliss hey yes exactly exactly
1: (laughs) awesome brother well we'll include that in the the show notes so that they can just click on and go right to your page a dm but again thank you for coming on the show thank you for sharing your knowledge and sharing your uh legacy as well
0: happy to man this was this was freaking awesome thanks for having me all right brother let's get building yeah
1: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our
0: newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.